Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Dr. James Show. I am Dr. Jamie. I'm so glad that you decided to join us this afternoon. I know each week I say, this show is gonna be better than the next one. It's gonna be better than the next one. Well, I'm saying it again. You're in for a treat. I'm gonna bring in my co-hosts for the show, the hostess with the mostest, Shannon Peck. Shannon, happy Tuesday. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. The sun is shining. I know we're expecting rain later in the week, but I'll, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> hey, listen, how are you holding it down? I know you are homeschooling too, and you're co-hosting with me, and you're being a mom, you're being a wife, you're being sibling. How are you holding it down? Listen, you know what? I think sometimes, unless you're pressed at every side, you don't know what you're made of. So um, I'm finding some strengths and uh, some weaknesses at the same time during this <laughs> pandemic. And I was one of those people. I'm a statistic. I got a puppy during the pandemic. So um, that has added a layer of love, a layer of stress, and a layer of being flexible, um, but wouldn't change it. So doing well. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to our Talk to the folks in the chat room, let them know what they could do to help make this even more rewarding experience. The first thing I wanna say is thank you so much for always participating. Don't be shy, uh, get in there, write your comments, ask your questions. This is an opportunity, uh, like I remind us every week to have one hour with a subject matter expert of all the things that we might wanna ask that we never really get an opportunity. So don't, don't let this opportunity pass. And don't forget in the future, invite somebody, a colleague, a friend, send them the link um, or, or to our YouTube channel and um, maybe they'll get to watch it not live or participate live, but they'll, they'll be able to share in uh, learning something special uh, from our guests. Absolutely. And speaking of the guests, thank you so much, Shannon. We, we, we got a great, Yes, one of my favorite people. I'm sure you have a favorite person or favorite people. Well, our guest today is one of my favorite people. She is the founder and CEO of Total HR Solutions. Her name is Tracy Hunt. Tracy, welcome to the Dr. James Show. Hello, I'm excited hey, to be here. Hey, you, how are you? I'm doing well. I can't complain. All right. You're doing well. You look well. And on this show, we dive in right away. Okay. I'm now, ready. I want to know, and I'd like the others to learn, a little bit about you and your journey to now. So take us back as far as you can and talk to us about experiences and your journey to owner founder, CEO of Total HR Solutions. I oftentimes characterize my journey as being in the right place at the right time, a lot of times. So <laughs> if I wanted to kind of just encapsulate that in just one statement, that would be it. Again, being in the right place at the right time, a lot of times. And I was always one of those overachievers for whatever reasons, which people will learn about it, at, at, you know, at an appointed time, I was always <laughs> that overachiever. So I made it a point to make sure that I was very diverse. Uh, I began my career as an accountant. So very astute business acumen. And then I was bitten by the HR bug. So 
I had the opportunity to actually work in small companies, mid-sized companies. So I had a progressive HR journey, but because I had an astute business acumen, I was always in the room with the CEOs and the CFOs. And because I could speak the business language, it allowed me to be catapulted in corporate America. So ultimately after being senior manager, I worked for um, helped start up the HR for a company called Zany Brainy. I'm dating myself. That was really <laughs> I remember my, Zany Brainy. My real entree into starting HR on a large scale. So I worked hand in hand with the person who was starting that function up, and we took them from eight stores or six stores to 144 stores. So I had a lot of opportunity to work in HR and a lot of different veins, different. Um, industry. So I've done retail, I've done hospital, I've done manufacturing. So ultimately, all that led me to ultimately be actually recruited into Coca-Cola. I wasn't looking for a job at the point that I became the vice president of HR for Coca-Cola. But at the point that I recognized the how the whole business life cycle works, and I had given away a lot of free advice, right. I then, at the point that they began to shift, I knew that I was an entrepreneur in the making. And so ultimately I did one more chief HR role after I left there in a nonprofit, fairly large nonprofit. And then ultimately it was about starting my own so that I could build something. And it only became appropriate to, to share who I am and how I got here. Well, that's when we met, when you were at the Coca-Cola bottling company, I, I remember to Distinctly meeting you for the first time, you walked into the room like, okay, she owns the room. She's tilting the floor. <laughs> she she sees somebody. But one of the things I remember, this was 09, Trace. One of the things I remember was when you encouraged me to go to that weekend retreat on leadership. Mm -hmm. It was probably one of the most challenging experiences of my life. And you had already done it and you said, go for it. And we had to have a sustainability partner at home. And I remember you writing um, good luck letters for each day of my journey. And those letters helped me get through that experience. So I still thank today, still thank you for that. Awesome. Now, it's always the way to pay it forward. Oh yeah, and you, you continue to do that. Now, I know you work in Mount Laurel. I know you live around this area. But you weren't born and raised in this area, were you? No, I'm actually a product of Indianapolis, Indiana. Wow. Uh, so a Midwestern state, they tell me I have, I sound proper country. So <laughs> that's a way to, 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 you know, to, to describe how, you know, my vernacular and how I sound, then that's it, I'm proper country. Well, from the Midwest. With, with that proper country, you add a flavor to what you do. I mean, HR has a stigma. HR, oh boy, here they come. But when I see you, when I work with you, when I talk to you, I don't feel the stereotypical HR person. I feel someone who's creative and intuitive, has flavor. Can you talk a little bit about that? I believe a lot of it has to do with understanding business and understanding that HR is about balance and HR, the true definition of HR is change agent. Mm. And so our capacity to be able to navigate change 
and work with leaders in a way that allows them to be able to achieve what they want to achieve, not telling them what they can't do, but finding the appropriate way to drive them toward the results that they want and being able to do that through their people. So being able to connect at all levels is really critical and being authentic and having a heart for the people as well as having a heart for the organization. It, it is again, having the right balance of EQ and IQ. Okay. Okay. On your, on your website, you talk about transformation, HR transformation, cultural transformation. What does transformation mean for you? What is actually happening? What are we seeing? What are we feeling when you go into organizations to work with and move them towards transformation? What's your goal? What's your goal? Our differentiator is always that we run two parallel tracks. We're running two parallel tracks. One is I at least have to make sure that uh, an organization has the right foundation. It's like if you build a house, if it doesn't have the right foundation, you can put the most beautiful roof on that house that you want, but it's coming down if that foundation has a crack in it. So we, want, we run two parallel tracks so that there is the foundational elements and that's all the risk mitigation and the administration and the compliance, that's all good. But when you really get to the, 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 the crux of strategic HR, it's about driving results. It's about incremental engagement. It's about creating a place that people wanna be. It's not about a great place to work. It's about having a culture that's conducive to everybody's success. And so when we run that strategic track alongside of that um, administrative track, and that foundational track, then we're moving that organization and a momentum that's going to get them to that next level. Wow. Tracy, how do you do that virtually? I mean, most organizations have HR in the building with them. You are a number of organizations HR department. How do you build trust and how do you build that connection from a distance? I'm a firm believer that it starts at the top. And I was very fortunate in my stint at Coca-Cola that I had a very solid CEO. To this day, we still talk and he actually is, has a, a contribution in my book. When the leader gets it, and trust me, I've left some organizations because I've been very fortunate that I always say not all business is my business to have. If I'm working with CEOs who are forward thinking, care about their people, then we're going to strategize to do the right thing for the business and the people. And that's where we have a differentiator where we don't just want to stick a person into an organization. We want them, we have touchdown spaces here in our office. We have people working virtually. We have a number of essential businesses that have to work through this. And right. so it's about having the right balance. And that's where all of our solutions are very customized so that we meet people where they are, we meet each organization where they are, and we make certain that we have what we call wraparound services. Mm. I'm not just going to give you an HR person and then don't stay close to them to give them the oversight they need so that your business has that higher level support as well. That's good. That's good. You mentioned balance. Well, I have my balance on this show and it's comes in the, the shape of Shannon Peck. Shannon, what's happening in the chat room? Are there questions or do you have a question for Tracy Hunt? Well, 
Um, Teresa McGinchy says, met Tracy many years ago. And when she was with Coca-Cola, she spoke at our HR group at Tri-State HRMA SHRM chapter. And you were awesome. She told us to know the business, understand what it is you do. I've used that advice throughout the rest of my career successfully. So thank you so much for your wisdom and sharing. Love that you're here today. And it's great. Wow. Again. So that awesome. was um, from, from Teresa. And um, it just goes to show you the impact that we make, like, you know, I'm sure you understand impact, but it's great to hear it. And it's so comes full circle because that's what you do for people. Because I see that you do HR transformation and my favorite cultural transformation. Oh, so in your opinion, Tracy, what do you, why do companies fail at company culture? Companies fail oftentimes at company culture because they don't want to have, they want to invest in what they what their deliverable is, but they don't want to invest in the people who have to get them to that deliverable. The pillars, you mean, let's not invest in the pillars that are holding, holding exactly. up. Exactly. It's like wanting to water the grass, but you never want to make sure that you do the maintenance on the water hose. Wow. Wow. That's good. Isn't that crazy? And do you find when you go in and, and you provide solutions for these folks, that sometimes you, they go in and then you ask them about their culture and they're like, yeah, we have culture. And then you get, you dive a little deeper and you realize with management and the people that they're not executing the culture they supposedly have. There's, there, there's deliberate culture and there's passive culture. What I find is in most cases, most organizations have passive culture. And so what you do is you have different pockets of different cultures across the organizations. We're very fortunate that at the onset of most engagements, I'm fortunate enough that I have leaders who have recognized that they need to make some changes. And so they allow us to do what we call a diagnostic. They invest in that initial diagnostic so that we can give them kind of the report card on the whole state of their human capital. And so that's a look at their culture. That's a look at their HR practices. It's a look at even down to their benefits, because I happen to be a licensed insurance producer. So while I don't sell insurance, I definitely can sit at across the table from their brokers and make them sharpen their pencils. So literally, that's the kind of stuff that when people say, oh, I want to be an agent because I love people. No, you've got to love the value proposition and how people contribute to the value proposition. Good stuff. Thanks, Janet. Thank you so much. Tracy, what's what's been trending this year from an HR perspective with the companies you've been working? I mean, we've had the pandemic, we've had civil racial unrest. I mean, this year has been something. Have you noticed any trends that you've had to address, fix, enhance, or trends that are trending up where you see things are really happening in a good way? During this pandemic, I, I believe a lot of companies have taken a step back and evaluated where they are. Uh, every, it's definitely the right thing to do in the DEI space. I think it will be the test of time, how many people and how many organizations are really embracing it as a cultural yeah. uh, component of their, their, their organizations versus just an initiative because of where we are as a society. Um, 
we definitely have had our um, uh, folks reaching out to us around DEI. There's a lot of companies that we have that are taking this opportunity to just get their foundations in place, new systems, making sure we've definitely seen an uptick in people recognizing the value of HR. The pandemic in and of itself, just the administration and the support required, um, making sure that people, employers have employee assistance programs because this is taking a psychological toll. And so what we're doing is making sure that leaders understand that this they're not an anomaly. All organizations are dealing with this pandemic and it's no respecter of persons. And so we just have to make sure we're very agile because when I tell you, there are no two days alike. <laughs> well, let's, let's go even deeper. How have you pivoted during this pandemic? Uh, I, I know daughter in college, son just graduated from college, pursuing an NFL career, husband who works all the time and you run your business. How, how have you pivoted or what have you done differently? tell you, I'm one of those people, my family could tell you this. I feel like I talk all day for a living, right? So when I go home, I'm a, a lot more introspective. I've oh. got a spot on the couch after I cook. And yes, I am domesticated. After I cook, uh, I'm fortunate that I have a husband who doesn't crack the whip. So if I don't have dinner done by a certain time, that's not a big deal. He'll even go for himself and help me out every now and then. Um, but I come to my space and I'm always, I sit on my couch and I have my laptop and I sit there and believe it or not, I'll enjoy a couple shows and I work in between commercials. So I actually wrote my book in a lot of cases between commercials of, I don't know, I don't watch a lot of television, but I found that, you know, my, my time to really reflect and keep it all in perspective is really between nine and 11, because we kind of have a ritual when my husband's home, we watch the news and we have to watch the first 10 minutes of Jimmy Kimmel. So whatever I'm doing, I always am typically wanting to be finished by 11. So literally okay. it's making sure I have a really good support system. I have what's called a fab five. I have some girlfriends that are really close to me that I talk to on a regular basis. I have some really great mentors. Um, and I just make sure that I have the appropriate amounts of check-in for my own mental well-being. And I, I have to say, I always give kudos. I have some great kids. I mean, their kid, they, they, everybody loves their kids. And <laughs> I know they all like to rant and rave, but they know they are absolutely the apples of my eye. And they keep me going because when I know they're happy, I'm happy. All right, okay, okay. I know you're biased, so we're gonna prove this. What makes them great? I'm biased, kids? And, and I got a great husband who, who you know, you know how they say, um, behind, there's this new show, behind every good man, there's a good woman. But even when you have a great woman, it takes a stronger man to have a woman who's always out there in the limelight. Right. So I always give him kudos that he's my quiet strength. Mm. That's cool. Awesome. Awesome. You just mentioned your book. Let's 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 talk about this book. Tell us what it's called and how did you get it done? I know you've been thinking about it, working on it for a while. Let's talk about this book. I have 
to say to you, you, you deserve a thank you. And I said this to, um, I had, I had said this to, I think my best girlfriend that I'm going to have to thank you because you had written books and I, and you remember the, the, the time we are in the same building. So if you recall how many times I would tell, remember I played with the title a couple times, Jim, I think I'm gonna call it yes. this. Yes. And you said, just write it. You finally said, just <laughs> write it. And so for me, I've been writing it for about three years. I had notes in my nightstand, notes in my iPad. I had them everywhere. So the pandemic has actually been somewhat of the luxury of a catastrophe because it made me really sit still because where I would normally be up and out at church every Sunday and all this stuff, I didn't have all that. So I was able to sit down and really put the outline of it together. And I also, for years, was really still in the journey of healing. And so mm. to be able to finally come to a place where I could write it from a place of healing versus a place of hurt was very important to me because I didn't want the book in any way to come across as being written in any form of malice, but sure. in a form of wanting people to appreciate that it doesn't matter your journey, you have control over what your outcome can be. So Silent Overcomer is about your journey? Silent yes. Overcomer, Silent Overcomer trauma comes is in about all shapes and sizes. The fact that for years, yes, for years, I felt like I had so much trauma that I had suppressed, but it was almost like society was telling me that if you hadn't been homeless or you hadn't been raped, your trauma wasn't big enough. And so I had all these perpetual traumas that I felt like I was constantly, and when I went to this leadership training that you mentioned, when I went yeah. through this training, I learned the power of reframing. Mm. And I said, okay, I don't have to occupy this space of suppression, but instead I can reframe it. And as I began to go through the years, I began to look at it and be able to reframe it so that it, these things that happened to me could be seen as things that happened that I can make them lessons that could take me to a place where I could be in triumph as a result of those, tr those traumas. Can you tell us about one or two of those lessons that are in the book? And before you do that, where can people get the book? How can they get so, it? So the book is actually going to start pre-selling on the 15th. I was trying to time all things right. What we're asking people to do is take a moment and jot down our website for Total HR, and then you can clearly go into the um, contact section. Contact us, type in your name and your email, and then you will then be sent a link when it's available for pre-sale. So the email- so the, website, the website is www.totalhrsolution. Www Dot com okay. or solutions. www.your your total HR solution singular for the purposes of email and, 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 and for the website.com. 
www.yourtotalhrsolution.com. So just go into the contact us section, type in your name and your email, and you will be sent a link as it will start pre-selling next week. Awesome, awesome. Give us, give us a teaser, uh, a lesson or two that's in the book that considering what we're dealing with right now, 2021, I mean, 2020, something that we can use and apply right away. A lot of us are faced with um, traumas that we've carried. A lot of those traumas uh, have a lot to do with our domestication, how we've been brought up. Yeah. I personally did not know who my biological father was until I was 12 years old. Wow. And at that age, I was, you know, then I was pretty much forbidden to really have a relationship because it was very inconvenient based on the, you know, all the, the reasons why I didn't know until I was 12. Right. I had to reframe that and appreciate the fact that for me, what made more, what mattered more to me was that who my father was ended up making me whole brother and sister with my brother who I adore. My older brother was my, my, my protector, my, he was my Superman. And so the way it came out, I was not told that we had the same father for years. And so when I had, instead of being upset, I had to just take solace in the fact that, wow, I was really upset thinking me and my brother were half brothers and sisters. That, that, that really wrecked my world when somebody put that in my space and said, you're not even whole brothers and sisters. Not that that even really matters because again, relationships and, 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 and there, there's kids who are adopted, there's kids who are uh, parents of blended families. I don't think that has as much weight you know, now as it once did when I was a young girl. But what it did do was it created a deeper bond for me, just knowing I had that much more of a connection with my brother. So I had to reframe that so that I could see the benefit of what it at least gave me, even though I still didn't have the opportunity to move forward and have a relationship, you know, and not that it would have been a successful one because I did have a stepfather, but you know, I just had to look at it differently because again, the purpose of reframing is to take that thing that you've put in a negative lens and then put it into a positive lens so that you can operate with a more positive perspective. In, in your book, do you talk at all about what helps and or what hinders reframing? Yes, I, I do talk about the fact that you can't allow your trauma giver mm. to continue to have an effect on you because that's what took me so long to write my book. I was so worried about what that person would think and how, because then there, that's nothing but the trauma perpetuating itself. That's, that's powerful stuff. Shannon, come join this powerful conversation. Questions, chat room, what's up? I can relate on trauma, that's for sure. Um, you know, would you 
would you find that it took you a while not to normalize your trauma? Um, and I say that I ask that because for me, um, my mom had five kids. We all have different dads. We all grew up in different homes. Um, and we normalized that. It was just like our story. And so that became part of your identity. And you just, until you could retell yourself some something different, like that's not normal. Um, and I think it takes you a long time because you, at least for me, I grew up in such dysfunction that I normalized my trauma. Did you find certain parts of your life you normalized it? What I found myself doing, and people deal with trauma differently, mm. I found myself overcompensating. Mm. So yeah. to your point, you know, you don't, I didn't necessarily normalize it. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, I didn't, I didn't have enough knowledge to know that it wasn't normal, number one. Right. <laughs> and so it's not until we see something different that we realize the level of dysfunction we really grew up in. I've had some really deep discussions with my brother and my book is laid out in a way where we talk about, I talk about the different addresses. And <laughs> when I go through the addresses and we look at the things that we grew up with and when you don't know anything different, it is normal. Yes. But as an adult, I began to think something was wrong with me because when I began to see what, uh, uh, and, and even the families that look normal probably aren't all normal. Everybody's got some degree of trauma. Just a little but bit. <laughs> I began to create this barometer that said, for myself, that said I was less than because I already had all this trauma and now I can't necessarily measure up. So I was always working hard to prove that I wasn't going to be what everybody said I was going to be from that traumatic era of my life. Right. So tell me, tell me as a believer, because you had talked about, right? So tell me, because we can be saved, but that healing is a process and that forgiveness is a process. Can you speak to how your faith has really gotten you to write this book and to help other people? Because sometimes in the church, we, we really like to keep stuff, you know, we like to keep stuff hidden too. Right. What I found is there's liberty and transparency. Mm -hmm. At the point that, and, and I believe everybody has to have a higher being than themselves, and yeah. mine is God. So I, I don't make any um, qualms about that. So I would always just ask God to show me. Mm. Show me what I need to do. Show me how I need to do it. Did I always wait for the answer? No, because I don't have all those answers. I don't, I don't get it right every time. But operating in a space of being open and knowing I don't have all the answers. And I felt like God gave me all the right people at the right times to help me through that journey. Yeah. What we do to ourselves oftentimes is we're so busy suppressing things and we don't want people to know, but heal people, help people. Yes. And at the point that there's probably help available, we don't avail ourselves to it because we don't want to tell anybody that we're hurt in the first place. Right. Right. That's so right. having faith that God would get me through. Yeah. That's all I had to operate on because I left home at, at, 18, 19 years old and never went back. Right. I was telling somebody it was really interesting because I'm 54. I don't have any problems telling anybody my age. I'm 54 
And I called home for two things in all these years. I needed a college course paid for one time that was $150. And I wanted a pair of shoes one time. And I just said, let me take my chances and see if they'll buy me this pair of shoes. Because I love, I love retail therapy. And those are the only two things that I've ever called home for. Yeah. So I've been gone that long. And I just knew I had to make it because I didn't want to have to go back yes. and be subject to opinions and all that. So if I don't ask for anything, then I'm going to have to be subject to that. However, I had enough faith to know that God would put the right people in the right place at the right time for me to be able to move forward. Yes, I love it. And Dr. James, I love that we could leverage other people in our incomplete relationships. Yeah. And you know what? Who says it has to be conventional? Is anything about human beings conventional? It's not Hollywood, right? So I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to ordering your book. So we put awesome. it out here and just to remind folks, make sure you go to the website, pre-order. It's available as the 15th. And uh, I'm excited to, to learn more about your story. I'm excited to share it. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. Tracy, with regard to your story, this has been some journey mm -hmm. and it's continuing. But how has your journey, your story, impacted your leadership style or the way you lead? What I will tell you is that as a leader, vulnerability and transparency are quite often those traits that leaders are not comfortable conveying. Right. At the point that we can be authentic and walk unapologetically in who we are, that in and of itself is a leader competence that is underrated. So we as leaders have to, and one of the things I say at the end of my book is that we as leaders have to invest as much or more in developing our inner being as we do all the things that are external of us. Right. So for me, it has helped me, my journey has helped me be an authentic leader be able to acquiesce with the highest level of levels of leadership, as well as to be able to connect with the most entry level people. Because the one thing that I stand on is that all of us are differently important. You cannot minimize any person along your journey. Everybody's important. And so it's really important that we don't take that for granted and that you always need people because as you, you know, collaboration generates a greater outcome than trying to go it alone. And so the model that I operate from in my business, when we talk about leader training and leader competence is that people think you can send somebody to this leadership training that doesn't take you outside of your comfort zone. Well, growth only takes place in your uncomfortable zone. Right. And so the model that I operate from is grow the person, you gotta grow the person first, then you grow the leader, then you grow the organization. So grow the person, grow the leader, grow the organization, because 
individual individual competence automatically breeds organizational capability. Mm. An organization can only do to the degree that their leaders have the competence required to do it. Right. Let's let's go deeper. You're talking about for others and other leaders. How does Tracy Hunt grow you? What do you do to grow you to stay sharp, to keep that edge? What are some of the things you do? I am continually, I, I love news feeds. I love news feeds. I love picking apart and extrapolating what may be true, what may not. And then I then will research that thing to the nth degree that catches me. Uh, I'm not always looking to be in the same vein as everyone else, because if you're going to be a trendsetter, I can't focus on where I'm going if I'm constantly looking to my right and my left and in the back of me. So what I've got to do is I've got to set the bar and I've got to create a barometer that is beyond looking at a person or a thing. So I am just always open to possibilities and they may come from the most non-traditional places. It could be something that I see in the news that I decide, okay, I need to start moving in this direction. But I am staying very much in touch with my CEOs. I have some very bright CEOs. I'm talking doctors of psychology. I'm talking UPenn graduates. I'm talking Yale graduates. So I get the fortunate opportunity, like I said, doctors, lawyers, I have the fortunate opportunity to have some really great influential people around me. But more importantly, I have some great people around me that don't have a lot of titles. I don't think you have to have a title to add value. Mm. And so when you don't put a value on a title, but you put a value on what you're gaining, then you can learn a lesson from anybody. And so I am just always open to the lesson that I might learn from anybody. And then you, then, you know, knowledge is only power when it's applied. What I do with it is totally up to me. Good. That's good. You talked about lessons from unconventional places. Well, you talked me into going on that re leadership retreat. I remember when I looked on the website, the opening line on the website homepage was life is a daring adventure or nothing at all, Helen Keller. And it was a retreat, a weekend of walking on hot coals, breaking two by four, heights, climbing. What made you do that? What made you go for that experience? And then what compelled you to keep going back to the point where you went back as a co-facilitator, or as they say, on team, where you went back to help others go through that experience? So first, what made you do it for you? Second, what made you kept keep going back? And third, going back on team, what was that about? So what made me do it for me was I originally had, um, I'm always looking for, you know, that next best thing. But in this case, I really wasn't. So remember I said I was in the right place at the right time a lot of times. Yeah. So um, I'll give him the shout out. Mike Jones comes to visit me 
when I'm at Coca-Cola, I'm the head of HR. He's already working with other, you know, segments of Coca-Cola. And he, I'm all geared up to go to this training. And we had only been talking on the phone. And he tells me, okay, I got you all planned. And then I have to go through. So he comes to visit us. Because I'm saying, I'm not going to invest in this until we meet in person. So, you know, at that point in time, this it, it's not a cheap training. So I, if we're going to make this big investment, I need to meet you. You need to sit down with me and my CEO. He comes and he says, you can't go through the training. At that point, I'm six months pregnant with my daughter. Oh, sweet. And I'm going, well, what kind of training do you have that I can't go to it and I'm pregnant? This doesn't sound too good to me. So anyway, so he tells me, you've got to wait. So I'm impressed that, first of all, the person stays in touch with me all the way through the balance of my pregnancy up until my daughter's, because because I told him I wouldn't send anybody in the organization until I tested it first. You know me, Jim. Yes, I'm the yes. first partaker because if it doesn't meet the mark, then I'm not going to waste anybody's time. So he stays in touch all the way up until finally my daughter's nine months old. I go through the training. I get there and it had the, to be the most impactful training I had ever had. But more importantly, I, it was the gift that kept on giving because there were so many lessons in it that just kept compounding. And so one of the things that you learn in that training is to feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And so all of these things just kept staying in my mind and they were so critical for me as a leader. And so as I kept learning the value and, and, and I'll tell you, I came home, I was on fire. I said, I had my husband go, we paid out of our pockets. It was so awesome for him that his organization refunded us our money and sent their whole leadership team. Wow. So it was phenomenal. And to this day, with all my pedigree, that is a master graduate certificate that I know the value it brings. More importantly, where the seed was planted around the fact that I was not being authentic and true to myself was when the leader looked at me and said, when will you stop? succeeding because mind you i go into coca-cola at 33 years old i'm a vice president i'm hired in at 33 years old as a vice president i'm blazing the trail by this time i've been there five six years i'm pregnant with my daughter and had just had my daughter he says when will you begin to succeed because it's what you want for yourself and not to prove to someone else wow that they're not right about the fact that you weren't going to be anything. And so one of the things I say in my book, one of the things that I give as a, a lesson learned is that looks aren't as deceiving as we think. Mm. He had no idea what I came from or anything, but it, I'm in my nice, neat little package because I'm very visual, but some of that stuff that was starting to ooze out of my pores was oozing out that I needed some healing. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Trace, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. We have a segment on the show that's called the hot seat. And what happens is I give you one or two words and you provide a one word answer. What comes to mind when you hear okay. that? Word? 
All right. Okay. Be ready. Here we go. HR. Strategic. Trauma. Healing. Success. You say success? Success. Success. Okay. Success is how you define it. I can't, I want to get one word, but it's by definition. What, com what comes to mind? What comes to mind when you hear the word success? Is, is multidimensional. Mm, mm. D, E, and I. What it means, diversity, equity, and what, inclusion. What you hear? That's what comes to mind. <laughs> Risk taking. Calculate. Risk taking. What comes to family? To be calculated. Okay. How about family? Love. Spirit, Love. Spiritual. God fearing. Leader. Servant. Love it. You are off the hot seat. Shannon, she crushed the hot seat. What's going on out there? Chat room comments. What's Chat room comments are lighting up. I love this girl, says um, Maurice Broswell. Um, Tracy was brought in as a consultant for one of my clients. Her knowledge and expertise in HR was instrumental to bring their HR to the 21st century. Wow. Uh, let's see. We have, thank you for saying that trauma comes in all sizes. I too felt uh, apologetic that I, I wasn't not raped or beaten or something really devastating that I should be thankfully okay. Uh, let's see. We have, um, everyone is important. No one should be minimized. That is what you had said. Um, one of our folks said, you can learn a lesson from anybody. And uh, Dr. Johnson Booker says, as a personal professional friend of Tracy, I know we all have silent overcomers. The only way to move forward is to deal with the past to get to a better future. I'm excited about reading her story. As a founder of two charter schools, I know that my children have issues that we the, at the school level must try to help them overcome in an early age as possible, so. Awesome. Folks are loving you, Trace. Folks are loving you. But let me ask you this because you have solutions, you know, for the leadership and making everything better. But could you tell me and tell the folks that are listening today, what does the employee or that manager, when do they know it's time to just go? You know, what can you speak to? Like, how do I know as a person, like, you know what? It's it's time within an organization. Everything, we, we talk about the life cycle of an employee. Mm -hmm. And we all have to recognize that there's life cycles to everything that we do. And when you feel like you're no longer being fulfilled, mm -hmm. and not just in, in a temporary way, because we all fall in and out of love with what we do from time to time. You don't want to be, you know, um, in any way um, too... Uh, hasty and deciding to up and leave if you're somewhere there's a couple things for me that if you if you have a yearning to do something more or something at a higher level that's typically a huge indicator that you're no longer being fulfilled at the level that you are mm -hmm. if for whatever reason it doesn't always have to be just because you're not fulfilled if you don't have trust in where that leader 
is taking that organization, it's time to go. Because you will find that you won't find any solace from day to day and what you're contributing to. So when you begin to feel like your contribution is not valued, um, when you feel like there's more on the horizon, what I caution people to do is just make sure you strategize and you plan. Yes. Don't do anything in a way that what we what do they always say? Don't cut your nose to spite your face. Yeah. There's a true. way to everything. It's not what you do; it's how you do it. So no emotional moves, which in HR, I feel, now, do you feel because you're in HR, a lot of times it's not, you know, you, your, your professionalism is so objective and unemotional. Um, do you feel that's part of your regular personality or is that something through being groomed in the HR industry that you've learned or a combination of both? To be more objective and don't- The funny thing is I was told early on that I wouldn't be a great at that. I was told I wouldn't be a good HR person because I absolutely am very business minded. So I'm very structured. Uh, I know when and when not to turn the emotion on. Yeah. However, as a being, I'm a very emotional being. I've just learned that, but I'm a very passionate being. And I learned early on through all the assessments that you get is that we all have what's called derailers. And so I know that I have to manage my passion because it can come across as being too aggressive or too assertive, whatever that looks like. We all have to take the time to know ourselves and to know how we need to occupy the different spaces. Yeah. And so as I've become in tune to myself as a, as a person, remember I said, grow the person, right. then I begin to know how to grow the leader because then I can add value, at that point, I can add more value because I'm self-aware. That in and of itself is a leader confidence. A lot of people operate, and I did for many years, I operated with a huge blind spot. And it wasn't until I was in a training one time, when I, this is where the everybody's important matters. I remember being, this is really funny. I'm in one of those um, programs in, in, in Discover Training and they had everybody blindfolded and you as the leader are leading all these people mm. through the woods. And so I'm going through the woods and I'm trusting that the people at the end of the line are gonna tell them what to do. And this is where I learned that as a leader, you can't leave anybody behind because my back of my line was running into trees, all kind of stuff. I'm telling everybody at the front thinking they're gonna pass that thing back. Now, is there a lesson that you have to hire capable people? Absolutely. But that's where, for me, skip level meetings were birthed. You should never be so far at the top that you never touch the people who are at the lowest level in your organization. You got to keep a pulse on the entire organization. Yes. And so literally, I'm, I'm telling you, that was so eye opening for me. Tracy, what happened to the back of your line? They're all caught around the trees, everything. So you can't have any man left behind because your a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. That's good, Shannon. Before you before you step off, I saw a comment in the uh, chat room from a Mr. Hunt. Can you can you read that comment? Yes, smart, strong, fine, and all mine. 
You are smiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. My know, goodness. Sometimes it feels like somebody's watching me. I'm just oh, my God. Tissue issue. He saw me blush, right? <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you. Got it. That's after 31 years. What's how many years? 31 years, 27 married, 31 together. Mm, nice, nice. What's next for Tracy Hunt? What's next for the organization? What's the future hold? It's to keep growing myself, growing my company, growing and adding value to everything I touch. I want as I prosper, I want everything that I touch to prosper. I want the people who are connected to me to be great. I don't want it to be where they say it's lonely at the top. I want to bring as many people along as I can because we hear so often about the crabs in the bucket. I'm the opposite of that. I want to bring and grow as many people as I can along with me. Because, again, collaboration generates a greater outcome. And I believe it's so important that we not have an attachment to the outcome, because then there's greater possibilities. And so I just want to be able to be an encouragement to my kids, to my husband, to everybody that I come in contact with, because the one thing that stood out, another thing that stood out for me was, I always ask myself, how do people feel when they leave your presence? Mm. Are they invigorated or are they frustrated? I don't wanna leave people in my wake. I wanna have people ride the wave with me. That's good. Do you, do you have your own principles or your set of rules or your core values principles that you live by, that you think by, that when you're going through it, you pull out your principles and that basically forms your decision. Do you have some? I will tell you that I live on the principle of being an in integrity. And one of the things you'll see in my book of my, I, I do give my life lessons and the, the things I live by in my book but one of them is, is don't let loyalty trump integrity. A lot of times in life, people want you to be loyal to them, regardless of what the right thing to do is. I'm big on what do you do when nobody's looking? Mm. And I'll never forget it. This came to life. I, I came out of the grocery store and I have some of the silliest stories. I came out of the grocery store. It was raining really bad. And I had bought an, I had put an eyeliner in my cart because trust me, I got a mixture of Chanel and some Bobby Brown, but trust me, I still wear Pro-Line, CoverGirl Pro-Liner Pro eyeliner. It's from the grocery store. They say, Oprah said long ago, mix it all up. <laughs> I had this eyeliner in my cart and they never rang it up. And so I got to my car and I had the bags and I'm like, oh crap, it's raining. I did not want to go back in that store. I got in my car. I left that eyeliner in the cart and I called the grocery store from my car. 
I said, your eyeliner's in the cart, but I was not ready to walk it back in in the rain. So I didn't steal it. You can go out there in the cart and get it unless somebody gets there before you do. So I just live my life on being an integrity with what the right thing to do is by people, you know, by the business, whatever that right thing to do is. Do I get it all right the first time? No. Is my timing aligned with somebody else's timing all the time? Maybe not, but trust me, it's on my mind to do the right thing and I'll eventually get there. We're going to see how your timing is right now. We have another segment on the show that's designed because I'm a speaker. I'm a keynoter. You know that. And I know you're a speaker too. So at this juncture, we're going to give you 30 seconds. We want you to look right into that camera and you're going to do a M-I-N-I, a mini keynote. Uh, words for us to consider, to live by. I mean, you're, you're finishing off this, this interview and now you're going into your head, your heart is like you're on stage with the mic or you're doing it virtually. Give us 30 seconds of Tracy Hunt, business leader, owner, wife, mom, sibling. You have the mic. Mic check, mic check. Your life is your dash. What you do from the time you're born until the time you depart this life all matters. Every trial that comes your way is designed specifically for you because it's building your character. It's not building anybody else's character. And so it's so critical that as you go through this life, you recognize that you need people because people are going to help you get there. And they will tell you that when you're creating pair and you're going to know this as you're creating paradigm shifts and growing into new possibilities, it takes a lot of courage and it may be lonely along the way because you're pushing back against the norm, but just know the people who are supposed to be there with you will be. So mm -hmm. be encouraged, be a silent overcomer and always best your best. And you will be successful in your eyes because your eyes are the ones that truly matter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just heard the mic drop. Just heard it. Oh, <laughs> Shannon, we about to land this plane. Any concluding thoughts? Just thank you for being you today and uh, for sharing your story. So I'm sure people have minimized some of the stuff that they've been through, or maybe there are some folks who are suffering in silence today that um, your story and what you've shared today will help them. So thank you. And I'm looking forward to reading your book. Awesome. Thank Tracy. you so much. Remember www.yourtotalhrsolution.com. Go into the contact, click on contact us, put your name, your email, and we will send you the link so that you can purchase the book when the pre-sale kicks off. Tracy, again, thank you. What a privilege, what an honor to have you join the show and share your wisdom, your expertise, your journey in your book with the folks who are tuning in. And for those who are tuning in, I told you it keeps getting better. I told you. 
Think about the lessons, think about the tools, think about what you're gonna use right away. Don't wait until the new year. Take action now. It's all about getting better. And as Tracy said, bettering your best. Thank you for joining us. And as always, you've just been impacted. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.